You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. You know, Disney Plus needs to give us some more baby baby Yoda. That's 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 yeah. what I'm looking yeah. for. Why, why wasn't there a why wasn't there a baby Yoda cameo in She Hulk, Attorney at Law? I have what a deep dark Marvel? secret. Come on. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh wait, wait. Our mysterious guest has a deep dark secret. Go, go, go. I haven't watched the Star Wars shows. <laughs> Any of them? Oh, see, you and I are just no. part of the same tribe of bad at television <laughs> then. Yeah. Yeah. This is a long running thing for us. So I did watch the She-Hulk finale, and I agree it could have used Baby Yoda. <laughs> it was the most – you know what? Not to go too far down that road and not to give spoilers, but that was the most comics-accurate ending of anything that they have ever fucking done, ever. It was great. I really? like that they made fun of themselves a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and when Tracy sees that in 2027, mm-hmm. yes, yes. we can when have I a conversation do. about yeah. it. I'll, yeah, but until then, it's just – it's totally embargoed. <laughs> <laughs> you know actually the i had the weirdest conversation for me anyway this is this i mean it was probably a weird conversation for her too with a coworker yesterday sitting at the lunch table talking about stuff and she has not seen very much in the way of star wars like she's seen the original trilogy long long ago when she was a kid and then has seen an entirely the wrong order piecemeal lots of different star wars things and so her sense of the timeline is just totally whoa <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a regular thing with this colleague for those of us who do keep up with nerd stuff, which is actually about half the people in my department to kind of like correct and and for like, no, 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 that comes before this and that comes after. And she's like, when is baby Yoda? Like baby Yoda has to be before everything, right? Because he's a baby. And we're like, no, 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 baby Yoda isn't baby Yoda. And she's like, no, 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 that's the one thing I do know. Baby Yoda is baby Yoda. And we're like, no, no, people were calling him that because he didn't have a name for a long time. And then she's like, that's dumb. Why didn't he have a name and i'm like i don't know ask the screenwriters and we, we kept correcting this and and clarifying and then we kept returning to be like so okay so baby yoda he's a baby so this is like 800 some years ago we're like no no it's not 800 some years ago and it was the first experience i've had in a while because i live in my own little nerd bubble of like interpreting nerd for for someone else and it was <laughs> I was tired at the end of it. Like I, like I was really kind of physically exhausted. Yeah. We took a friend of ours to see. She'd never seen another Marvel movie in her entire life. And we took her to see, is it Endgame? The, oh, wow. That's the deep the, end. The second Avengers one. Oh, my God. <laughs> she must have been uh, like, what the hell is happening? And why do I care? Yeah. So we had to explain everything to her. And she was like, I kind of like it. Oh, we also made her watch the um, Game of Thrones finale, not having seen any other Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, was she, did she was she finding that she liked it more without feeling that it was connected to some kind of continuity? Honestly, I think it was just like you know, pretty pictures on screen for her. She was okay. like, I don't, yeah. I don't know any yeah. of this. <laughs> that person was sexy. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. That's- <laughs> Uh, so, so it's been it's a- been a while since since we've gone four minutes without actually introducing the. the I know, right? <laughs> this is we we we, do, we usually like you know kind we of block right off in. a moment and but yeah, we really just oh. kind of both feet here. Uh, well, so I'm nameless, like Baby Yoda. Oh right. 
see this is this is how we know it has all had a kind of narrative continuity <laughs> and given that you know your your whole work as a narrative designer and so on of course you care about narrative continuity bonnie joe stuffelbeam <laughs> so uh, our guest this week is bonnie joe stufflebeam who has published short fiction i mean i I was going to say literally everywhere, but I think I actually do mean <laughs> literally everywhere as opposed to the colloquial literally. That's, is, it, is it 60, 90 different? 90. It's a, it's a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like over over 90. I thought I, I was stopped, tired after explaining counting. Baby Yoda, but now I'm tired <laughs> thinking of that. And so you've got a ton of stuff that's been going on in 2022 for you, which is what brings you to us. We've got a novella. We've got a short story collection. Bonnie, talk to us about what's up here. Give us give us the lowdown on the 2022 <laughs> Stuffle Beam experience. Yeah. So it just so happens that I got two, like my first two books that have just my name on the cover, you know, not an anthology with multiple people published in 2022. So that's been really cool and also extremely exhausting. <laughs> so I had my short story collection come out in July, Where You Linger, and then I had this fun horror novella come out just in September. So this is an excellent time of year for people to be cashing in on their horror novella times. And this is like not just a horror novella, but it sounds so raucously fun. So all right, so bring bring us bring us to Roxanne. Bring us to your <laughs> to your hot garbage fire vampire. Yeah. Roxanne is what I like to call a hot mess. She has a lot of bloodlust going on, but like she's got these friends and she resurrects them from the dead, has to make a deal with the devil to do so. And that deal with the devil kind of goes against her bloodlust because she's not allowed to kill innocent people. She's only allowed to send the devil these fiends that he's asked for to replace the souls of her friends that she stole from him. And so she has to go the whole book killing these monsters, but not like letting other people get caught in the crossfires. And that's hard for her because she's a wreck. And so it's about, you know, her trying to balance her obligations versus her, you know, desires to be chaotic. <laughs> she she sounds like she made a really bad deal with the devil. I mean, he lost that golden fiddle to a hillbilly. So how did she manage to get so badly screwed? Yeah, I feel like all deals with the devils are pretty bad. <laughs> it's sort of funny that the devil, and I recognize that there are like some some uh, racial tropes operating here too, but so many stories involving the devil involve like accountancy effectively, like the idea of like, mm -hmm. well, if I'm going to do this, you're in the red in my ledger, so I'm going to need you to do that. <laughs> yeah. the, like that it's all about kind of the data tracking and considering my relationship to accountancy and check registers and things, that that tracks <laughs> from my, from my personal experience yeah yeah and i i don't use the devil like you know the christian devil it's right. it's a guardian of the underworld so he's basically like a um it's 80s tropes meets hammer horror so the oh, guardian okay. of the underworld is actually like a freddy krueger type character mm -hmm. he travels in dreams so it was really fun to play around with all these 80s movies that are some of my favorite horror movies you know, your take on horror is like there's always a little bit of horror in a stuffle beam story, it feels like, even if it's just like the deeply personal horror of a of a choice you don't want to have to make or like the consequences that you don't want to have to face. And so I guess given that you like day job is 
narrative framing and writing for a like a sort of episodic romance chapters app and and so on like how do you how do you negotiate those two parts of your brain or do you just not and do you just like say go kiss like mash together and, like, <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like a lo- like almost all my stories have romance in some way usually not always but they always deal with like relationships you know between and among people. And so when I got the job <laughs> writing for a romance app, it was like, uh, okay, I've never really read a lot of romance novels and I've never written any romance novels. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of got thrown in to the deep end. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like romance novels also deal with fear because it's like these two people, you know, they want to love each other, but they have these fears and these things that are keeping them apart. And so that's been kind of fun to explore fear from this more romantic point of view instead of this spooky, scary things are coming to get you at the window point of view. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, we've talked, uh, Patrick and I, we've talked about romance as a genre broadly before. And like, I know that my mom was like the, the, queen hive bee of collecting and and addictively reading romance novels and we've we've also talked about like the romance novelist as a very particular type of author in terms of their their genre awareness and their market awareness and their kind of business attitude and so on and so I, i guess i'm curious about how much that kind of figures into if you're writing for an app like how much how much of what we associate with like this is the culture of the romance novelist works there too. I will also throw out that the romance writer is a is in a boot camp. Uh, like they 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 learn to write, they learn to write fast, they learn to write well, and they learn to do it very quickly. Mm-hmm. It seems like the, most of the romance novels that I know or know of are so prolific. They just push out books and I think yeah. of their output and I'm like, yeah, I feel tired. <laughs> and we're kind of like that at work. You know, we have to put out a lot of content. Mm-hmm. We, so we write and we edit the material and um, we adapt romance novels, but then we also do originals. Yeah. So we buy the rights to romance novels, which is kind of cool because we get to support the industry a little bit. And then um, the originals are fun because we get to take those tropes and play with them in a way that our app like, because we have certain, we have users in our app who read romance novels, and then we have users in our app who just read on the app. You know, they they don't really think so much about the tropes, and we'll get comments all the time, like, you know, all these stories, you know, they follow a <laughs> they follow a similar thread, and <laughs> we're reading the comments, and we're like, yeah, that's yep. romance. <laughs> that's just part of it, you guys. And so, I also want to say it's really funny, but they. At, at work, they recognize that I do dark stuff. So honestly, I have not been put on the sweet stories. I've been put on the dark content. <laughs> oh, all right. You, so, okay. Bonnie, do you, do you watch Young <laughs> yeah. Sheldon? No. Uh-uh. Are you aware of it and what it yes. is? Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, I know that Tracy doesn't watch it, but they had a recent episode <laughs> where his mom, she's having so many, she's having lots of problems. You know, her oldest son got a girl pregnant. The, the, and, and, she is actually six years older than him. He lied to her about his age. And so there's all this stuff. The church has, the church has basically cast her out. She's having just a rough time. And her mother gives her a romance novel. And she starts reading the romance novel. And here's this very Christian woman, you know, very kind of uh, 
stuck in her ways and 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 very strict and stuff. she's reading this romance novel and she decides that that she could do better but now number one she's reading the whole damn book like she is into this book she's reading every page but then she decides that she could do better so she starts writing her own romance novel and uh, her version of the romance novel is just she meets this really really hot guy in a bar and they talk about their feelings a lot <laughs> like that is her version of like like they get to the point where it's like oh maybe we should leave the bar maybe we should what do you want to do i want to learn more about you you know it's like that it's the funniest damn thing ever that's funny it's like waiting for godot waiting to leave the bar of romance novels <laughs> but you know it's sort of I mean, we, we talk a lot when we're talking about stories and what people get out of them and why they want them about stories as like wish fulfillment or escapism or, or like addressing using a story to address things that you care about, but don't know how to unpack in your own life. And so it, it must be I don't, thinking about the trends in your work, thinking about your day job, thinking about the things that, that surface in what you write for yourself. Like, there are definitely recurring themes, right? There are things that you sort of keep returning to. You mentioned relationships for sort of one thing, but like, do you, do you use the writing process for yourself as a tool for like, I'm going to make a couple of characters go through something and talk through something so that they can do this emotional work for me? <laughs> uh, yes, but I think it's subconscious, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sit down uh, like, well, I have a life decision to make. Yeah, I'm a discovery writer, so and that's you know great for short stories, not so great for longer content because it leads to years and years of edits. But um, I'm a discovery writer, and it just so happens that like certain genres of stories will explore different things for me. And I kind of realized this when I was putting the collection together, like all of those stories in the collection deal with this town called Riddle, Texas. And they're all, they're mostly like young adult protagonists, early adult protagonists. And they're all kind of like trying to come to terms with their pasts in some way. And, you know, that took the form of literal ghosts or skeletons walking around, just like all sorts of uh, floaty fantasy happening. Yeah. Um, and then some sci-fi in the end, because it takes Riddle through the present day all the way to like future times. And it just so happened that all of the Riddle stories dealt with the similar theme of like, the ghosts of your past are coming for a reckoning, you know, and so you like have to deal with the things that you did when you were younger. And so I thought that was really interesting. And then I started looking at other genres of stories that I've written and thinking like, well, what what other collections could I do? And I, I put together like my list of my more epic fantasy stories. And yeah. those all deal with family and father-daughter relationships. <laughs> Because oh. <laughs> it's like, you know, I have the evil king or the evil queen and then the child of that person <laughs> or, you know, like the father is a literal sea monster, stuff like that. So I thought that was really funny. And it it felt like my brain was telling on me. Oh, yeah. But now you've, it, it's been doing this this whole time. And now you've just sort of sat down and figured it out. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Have you ever read a book or heard of a book? This is this is like deep cuts here. So by Sherwood Anderson called Winesburg, Ohio. I have heard of that book. Oh I, my god! So you're talking I about a copy. I haven't read it. <laughs> okay. So little background. So Sherwood Anderson 
this is sort of his magnum opus. He wrote a few other things, but not a whole lot else. He lived in Ohio for a long time, ran off to Chicago at in sort of a midlife crisis moment, and then eventually came back to rural Ohio. And he invented a town in that does not exist in Winesburg, in Ohio called Winesburg. But it's kind of like modeled after every small town ever, right? And Winesburg, Ohio is like kind of a spiritual descendant of Edgar Lee Masters' Spoon River anthology. And so the whole mm-hmm. idea behind it is you got this one town, Winesburg, and everybody in the town is sort of effed up in one way or another, <laughs> right? And it's it's a collection of short stories that together form a novel. And there's one character who shows up more often than, than anybody else in the course of the stories who is he's the kind of glue that ties a lot of them together because he is a teenager who works for the local paper as a reporter. And so the excuse for using him as the glue to tie things together is he's like poking around in people's lives and talking to them and investigating things and whatnot. And most of the short stories can be read in in isolation from one another, but they're really meant to be read in the order that they're in as a sort of like novel in short stories experience. And I guess based on interviews I've read and biographical information that Winesburg, Ohio was Ray Bradbury's inspiration for the Martian Chronicles. Cause he just like, I'm going to do what Winesburg, Ohio did, but Mars. Mm-hmm. And so very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it has that. Kind of, so I guess for you, what's the appeal of like, okay, the one town, like riddled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's that the world building is already done. <laughs> <laughs> in a way it's like i know where the town you know center is and i know what the the local coffee shop is called and also it's it's based on the town where i live so yeah. i wanted to write a series of stories that was based in i, I live in denton texas mm-hmm. which is a cute little college town that i love a lot and so i wanted to write stories that were based there but i i do really like the mosaic novel experience mm-hmm. i like jennifer egan a lot I've read her two short story collections. Mm-hmm. They're so good. And then Martian Chronicles and Illustrated Man. Yeah. Yeah. I like See, that. Uh, I, that whole idea. I've never, I've never had the urge to write stories about Fresno. What am I going <laughs> to write? It's like, Fresno sucks. They already did. It's called The Karate like, Kid. That's the Fresno movie. That's as far as you get. And it's not even in Fresno. It's just, they mention he's from Fresno. And then everybody shits on, on him. It's as far as you get. Yeah. That's funny. I, you know, Denton's got it's a college, it's a two college town, and so you know we have we have a lot of art stuff going on, but we also have like the small town stuff going on at the same time because we're not we're not a big city. And there's another local writer here, Darren Bradley, and he also writes his novels set in nice. a Denton type area. And so I wonder if there's something about like the clash of college town and small town that just really appeals for storytellers. <laughs> Well, it does feel a little bit like there's already two worlds here. So what does it matter if I make a fictional third version of this world? Like, okay. Yeah, definitely. Let's just fold reality one more way and go with it. Yeah. That's really cool. I have fond memories of the college town from my undergrad, uh, which was Greencastle, Indiana. And there was a a greasy spoon fast food burger place uh, called Marvin's that was there. And you probably have something like that in Denton or, or oh, yeah. you know, back in your own college memories. And the the meme with Marvin's before we knew that memes were a thing that you could give a word to was Marv's delivers to blank. And they did deliver. And this was, you know, they were just they, they would deliver 
pretty much anywhere in the foreseeable region of Greencastle. But people who were on like uh, study abroad programs and things like that would inevitably make posters and then they would take Polaroids of themselves holding posters and they'd be like, Marv's delivers to Moscow or Marv's delivers here, <laughs> or Mar like whatever it was. And then the ritual was that you would come back from wherever you had been and deliver the photograph to Marv's manager, who would then put it somewhere on the wall. Just the walls of the entire <laughs> restaurant were just thousands of photos of people, you know, claiming that Marv's delivers to Machu Picchu or whatnot. And they had their their signature menu item was the garlic cheeseburger or GCB as it was commonly known. So like hoagie roll, right? Long guy, mm -hmm. two burger patties, cheeseburger thing going on top, and the 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 hoagie roll is garlic bread, <laughs> and that's it. The standard preparation of the garlic cheeseburger is no toppings or anything unless you ask for them, and nobody ever did. And so you just you get it, and it's a, a single garlic cheeseburger is in fact two cheeseburgers on this thing. Um, and I swear to God, every time you ate it, it probably took three weeks off of your life. So I'm probably going to <laughs> die a minimum a year sooner than I otherwise would have, and I repent nothing. Yeah, hearing about it, like my stomach is already hurting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we've made decisions. <laughs> Got a lot of local character here, too. Mm -hmm. We do have, you know, the local hot spots for food and then we just got these characters who show up and it's like everybody knows them there's a guy who wears this tiger head and he plays the piano on the side of the street and you know tiger nobody head? yeah like um like, uh suit yeah yeah oh okay all right okay and people will stop and they'll give him a sandwich uh if they see him you know they'll they'll feed him and <laughs> is the tiger the college mascot no or is no that's oh, an that's eagle Oh, I love the fact that there is no through line here that anyone understands. <laughs> There's amazing. no connection to it. Yeah. We've got this this unfortunate soul who's known as the flat earth guy who oh. uh, has decorated a house with the words, the earth is flat. And he drives this beat up car around that says the earth is flat. Check out this YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. And so, Have you ever checked out the YouTube see channel? Ever? Um. Yeah, I went there one time, and it was it was nonsense. Okay. As, <laughs> of course, as, as expected. Sure. Yeah, we've got this woman who sells bonsai trees, and she'll show up, and people will yeah. like go online and they'll be like, "Bonsai lady is here today. You can go get your bonsai." <laughs> so cool. I don't yeah. know if I if I could ever succeed at something thoroughly enough to become like X lady. To the, the, like people flock to the social media or something to be like she's here she's here come do the thing they'd be like talks too much lady is here run <laughs> like, yeah in okay. in college sometimes I was known as bike girl because I would ride my bike around to like all these parties I would just listen for like a party yeah. and I would just ride my bike up and down streets and I, I mean I was a little bit wild so I would, I would stop at the, the party and somebody asked me who I knew there you know I just make up a name and just chat with people all night long and gotta be a James here somewhere, right? Whatever. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. I love that. It was fun. Do you have a local color thing from from bygone days, Patrick, that you that you recall? Well, I was thinking about the the place that was across the street from Fresno State University. Uh mm -hmm. and I can't remember the the order. I think it was uh it was a restaurant. And it was just called mm -hmm. pizza, hamburgers, and Chinese food. 
Wow. That's Great just the name of the place. That's just what they did. And they were right across the street from the campus. And they were always busy, weren't they? Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that's a place that just sounds fundamentally good to me and would be a thousand times better if you were stoned. It it, it, it was probably like the, <laughs> yeah. the, it's the laziest branding ever, but it just, you know, giant sign that says that people go, oh, well, I know what they it's have. Unambiguous. Yeah. yeah. What do you feel like eating? I don't know. I'm having trouble choosing between pizza, <laughs> hamburgers, and Chinese food. I'd be like, come with me. <laughs> yeah. We're going to walk across the street. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> That's amazing. I want to know the origin story behind that. Like, was there a like a knockdown drag out battle about what clever punny name to give the restaurant? And like, they just couldn't agree on anything. And they're like, fine, and call it pizza, hamburger, and Chinese food. I, I think it was just lazy. It's just like, oh, let's just put this name up there. Why, why call ourselves Bob's? Yeah. Just tell the kids yeah. what they what we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> I guess there's like there's something like that just about everywhere, like some kind of thing that allows you to kind of put the pin of your memories in a place and kind of retell your stories about them. So I guess that's yeah, I guess that is sort of part of the appeal of that kind of here is Riddle, Texas. Here is my mosaic approach to all the different nooks and crannies of what might or might not be. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, (laughs) it's it was my college town. So it's like. Mm I have all those college memories, but then now I have all these adult memories because I, I went away for a while and then I came back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That boomerang experience is also its own kind of re-seeing things. Um, mm-hmm. And like the changes probably stand out more starkly than they otherwise would. Or Definitely. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, getting to know different layers of a town. So like you have the college experience and then you get to know from a neighborhood perspective now. And um, Yeah. Yeah. Neighborhood names are one of my absolute favorite things, and and one thing I do regret about living in a perfectly safe, decent suburb of Chicago is that there aren't neighborhood names. I mean, yes, there are names for, like, subdivisions, but that generally only matters to the level of, like, if you're trying to broadly describe to someone what er- what area of town you're living in, but, like, they're not places that have a certain character to them. They can't be like, oh, yes, I, I'm from Winston Woods. And like that that will mean nothing to anyone, nor should it. Like the fact that Woods is in the name is, in fact, not particularly descriptive of what the environment actually looks like. Or like, oh, uh, <laughs> I live in the Ivanhoe subdivision. Be like, bitch, you don't got no castle. Um, like it's what it, you know, you think of other spaces like I, I live about a half an hour drive outside of Chicago. I mean, you've got Ukrainian Village and Rogers Park and all these like in those you can say those to someone who understands Chicago and you immediately have this whole gestalt that pops into your mind of like, Oh, that's what this place is. That's what this place means. I get that. Like, I know what the deal is or like Pittsburgh with squirrel Hill and whatnot, which is by the way, one of my, <laughs> like they're in a real race for me. I've lived in this neighborhood since 2009 and it was probably eight or nine years in before I found out that there was a name for it. And the only reason I found out was because one day I pulled up uh, on the main street, and I was going to turn off into the neighborhood and they were erecting a sign. Oh. And I was like, what the hell? Our neighborhood has a name? Really? Since <laughs> when? Like I, I had no clue, no clue whatsoever. Cause we don't have an HOA or anything. That was like a yeah. prerequisite. Yeah. 
for mm-hmm. me to move yeah. into a place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm in the process of selling my house and moving. And when I'm looking online at stuff, one of the first boxes I check is, uh, you know, no HOA, no HOA, no HOA. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to deal with them again. But yeah, I was like, we have a we have a name, really? That, I mean, that just that that blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I had no idea that there was it. And and don't get me wrong, in the Denver area, there's lots of neighborhoods. Like if you say Bonnie Bray, people know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I really just, funny. I didn't know. I didn't know that we had a name. <laughs> that's funny. We have a Bonnie Bray here too. Oh, what's you? the origin of Bonnie Bray? I have I no know. idea. I don't yeah, know. I know that I they had. Really they have. Um, <laughs> They have several little businesses there, and I think one of them just closed down. I can't remember which one. I'm sure Stace Johnson will tell me. But uh, uh, there was like Bonnie Bray Ice Cream, Bonnie Bray Pizza. Like These are the names of the places. Bonnie Bray Ice Cream, Bonnie Bray Pizza, Bonnie Bray Bar. Like, yeah. And it's just this little neighborhood. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we have things like Lodo. Well, as, your res- as our resident there. Bonnie for the purposes of this episode, I think that's <laughs> going to be your homework. You just got to – figure out where yeah. this is coming from i'm gonna figure, figure out, out. What, what, what is bonnie bray yeah right write ten thousand words get back to us <laughs> we'll expect a full report <laughs> by monday so um hope you didn't have anything i need a powerpoint too <laughs> <laughs> cite all slide information or, or there will be point deductions speaking of things i want to know i want to know picks of the week you do so should we do yeah. picks of the week yeah i do i think we should Picks of the week. It's very dramatic. I know, Bonnie. It's so dramatic. I think I need to pick a more dramatic pick. (laughs) It's fine. You get you get time to think about it if you want to do any last minute revisions about which we will know nothing. Uh, So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you, Patrick. Pick of the week. Show her how it's done. Uh, I actually have two because I I can't make up my mind. Uh, The first one is a movie on Netflix called Lou. And this stars uh, Allison Janey. Janey, mm-hmm. is that her last name? Uh, she was, uh, you may know her from the West Wing, West Wing or from the sitcom Mom. She played uh, uh, Bonnie, I think was her name. Was her name Bonnie on uh, Mom? I can't remember. You're asking now. me a television question. This is just, I'm the wrong um, <laughs> But uh, she was, she was that character. And, and in this one, she is the, uh, the grizzled loner living on an island in the middle of nowhere. Uh, she has a dog and she's very gruff. And uh, when her she's she's renting a house to a young woman and her daughter. And when the daughter is kidnapped, mm-hmm. uh, she goes with the daughter and basically tracking the guy who took the daughter through the island woods and and like hunting him down. And it's this it becomes this kind of action thing. Uh, I will say it had a, it, it had a nice twist that I was not expecting, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm picking it. Uh, but yeah. that's on Netflix. It's called Lou. Uh, very action oriented, uh, but it, you know it, it's very different character for her. She doesn't usually play something like this, so that's one of the reasons why it appealed to me. The other one is I did watch a documentary called "The Sound of 007. This is on oh. Prime, and this is all about the music and the people who have recorded uh, songs for those movies throughout the 60 years. It was very focused on Billie Eilish. Because she did the most recent one for um, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, but they, they, they did kind of look at the history and look at all the people who've done songs, except one band, which I thought was very funny. There's one band that uh, I even remember this. They, there was rumors that they did not work well. So there was all, there's always someone who is with Ian Productions or, and the mm-hmm. Broccoli's who is like guiding the music. There was, John Barry did it for many, many years. Other people have done it. Uh, there was rumors that this one particular band did not work well with them. And it, I just thought it was funny that they got zero mention in this. Zero mention. And I, I'm wondering if anybody can guess who that was. Uh, the other funny part was there was uh, George Martin the producer of the Beatles mm. uh, worked on one film score and actually Paul McCartney wrote the song live and let die, let die. for yeah. that movie. And George Martin brings it to Saltzman. One of the the two guys who owned and was part of Ian back in the day, because you had the broccoli and you had Saltzman and Saltzman says, Oh, that's a good song. I like it. Who should we get to sing it? And starts naming off all these people. Like he really wanted Aretha Franklin to sing it. And George Martin's going, no, no, you know, we've got Paul McCartney. Literally well, have Paul McCartney person? already. Well, no, no. We've got Paul McCartney. Well, what about this person or this person or that? Or how about Aretha Franklin? <laughs> and George Martin's kind of like, we've got Paul McCartney. <laughs> he wrote the song. He's going to do the song. And it was just this like funny interaction. So that that's on there. It's lots of music. Uh, and, and I always love those stories of how people come up with their lyrics, how they come up with their songs. And so it's just, it's a great it's a great documentary. Mm-hmm. Sounds of 007. That's really cool. Very cool. Uh, so, okay. Bonnie. Now that you know, Me? it's almost done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I want to say the movie Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, you know, it had all that drama around it. Yep. And listening to all of that, I was like, oh, I don't want to see this movie. And, uh, and it got you know, pretty bad reviews. And then I went to see it just because it looked like it was sci-fi and, you know, the the trailer had me intrigued by its mystery. Like I wanted to know what was going on. It looked like a Stepford situation happening. And I went to see it and I was like, this is actually a really good sci-fi movie with some fun twists that like I didn't expect. And there were twists that I did expect too. Um, and of course, like Florence Pugh is awesome. And so I love seeing her pew sad face uh she does it so well <laughs> there, uh, a lot of people are saying that the drama b- uh, surrounding it is what killed it and that's why people aren't going to see it yeah and that's unfortunate because it, it's actually really good um and you know i know olivia wilde is kind of having a bad time in the press right now people don't, don't like all the drama that happened but i'm i'm a big fan of her directorial um uh, vision i think like i really liked book smart and then i really liked the stuff she was doing in this too uh so it's unfortunate that a lot of people aren't going to see it because i really thought it was cool uh, I, I saw an interview with her on colbert and and i can't remember if she said it or if he said it uh but they were talking about all the drama and stuff and asking questions and he was basically giving her a platform to set records straight and she did point out either she pointed out or he pointed out i can't remember uh if it was a if it was a male director, there would be no drama. No one would be asking these questions. No one would be going down this path because look at all the drama that the male directors have done over the years and no one ever talks about it. Yeah. Or, you know, they would talk briefly about it, but people would still go see the movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Roman Polanski did what? Okay, let's go see the movie. Yeah, people still talk about Roman Polanski films and recommend them all the time. All the time? Yeah. Um, My other one would be uh, my favorite role-playing game just got released, re-released on Switch. It was a PlayStation 1 game, and it's called Rhapsody, a musical adventure. And if you need just like a cozy role-playing game, um, it's very fun. And uh, it's like got little musical interludes where the main characters sing and the villains sing and you collect puppets and you fight these evil uh women (laughs) and it's just uh i loved it when i first played it and i'm they didn't they just ported it to switch they didn't change anything so it's exactly the original and and i believe if switch is switch is doing well still like it's still a decent platform, and I think they just released one with like a bigger screen and more memory or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, doing lots of theme releases for it as well. So they, um, I, before I get to my pick of the week, I don't want to sleep on the fact that Florence Pugh, I think, is in the um, sort of hierarchy of people with really cool names, to which Bonnie Joe Stufflebeam also <laughs> is a member. Uh, and if you don't believe me, that and think this is just an idiosyncratic thing I've pointed out, there's an entire half of your bio on your webpage that's just <laughs> people's strong opinions about your name. Um, and like, do, do you have a, do you have a personal favorite thing someone has said about your name before? Um, I. <laughs> I think it was Murr who said it was the Harry Potteringest name, and I just like how <laughs> how she turned that into an adjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on a writing retreat for a brief period of time together a couple of years back, and I remember um, conjugating stuffle beam as as a as a verb for a particular type of violent murder. Um, and so, yeah, there, there was a there was a, a, a dinner table conversation where we were theorizing about what would be involved in getting stuffle beamed. Um, and, you know, oh no, don't make, don't make Bonnie mad because because you know she gonna stuffle beam you. Um, and I stand by that. I really think that um, we could go the adorable Harry Potter route, but I, I have to think that there's a there could be a shiv there as well. It um, could be a weapon. Yeah, it could be. Like there's a, a stuffle. Wouldn't a stuffle beam make an awesome like anime sort of cannon of so, like it, like it would be ridiculously out of proportion in size, like one of the gun swords or shit from Final Fantasy. And some yeah, there'd be something that like Barrett has like attached to his arm. Like it, that's that's what it would be. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, so on on theme with things set in specific places where like the place is sort of is is intrinsically part of the story. Um although I am very bad at television, I am very close to finishing up season 4 of Stranger Things. Um and it's important that I do this for lots of reasons. One, so I can be a functional human in the larger nerdverse. Uh, but two, I'm actually going to be teaching a class on Stranger Things uh, in a couple of months. And so I should probably be, you know, up to date in it. Um, and the reason that I'm that I'm recommending season four is not so much because of season four itself up to this point. I have I have a few grievances with how things are unfolding pacing wise and some things in terms of um, like how how character characters are learning information and various other stuff. If there's a little info dumpiness happening in places. Um, But I do like the fact that it's investigating Hawkins as a place that is deeply problematic for longer than L has been around. 
that like it has this sort of toxic history that uh, predates her um, and that the community itself is finally kind of copping to the fact that things ain't right. Um, and I think it's playing really well with the satanic panic tropes of the of the 80s as like a real historical experience and a lot of the ways that um, that that's been sort of folded effectively into the plot. So uh, if you are one of the people who has been either sort of dipping your toe in Stranger Things and not sure if you're going to do it or it just hasn't caught up to it, I think season four is is a worthwhile continuation of the narrative. So, there you go. <laughs> I, I remember my friends and I getting into Magic the Gathering yeah. <clears throat> and one of my cousins started working at a coffee shop and she was telling us how cool the coffee shop was, but it was kind of struggling and Mm-hmm. And they had this neat little area, so we should come there and buy coffee and and play Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. So we do, uh, and we we show up and we're playing Magic, and and uh, the owner asked us to leave because he was very uncomfortable with our demonic cards and yes. spell casting that we were doing, mm-hmm. and we're summoning the energies out. from from tilting the cards. <laughs> that's that's what yes. happens. Yeah. Magic is very scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so i'm so glad that we could get together bonnie i'm so happy that we've got so much stuffle beam in the year of our lord 2022 <laughs> folks who are looking for um for a novella need to check out glorious fiends and if you're looking for a, a journey through the weirdness of riddle texas uh where you linger and other stories is there for you so where can people find you and your stuff and and all the good stuff yeah, uh, Bonnie just full beam <laughs> dot com, um, or you know, just Google my name because I am one of four stuffle beams in the entire Probably. world. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm on Twitter. Twitter is the only social media that I really can force myself to be on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where I'm posting pictures of cats and talking about movies and. Um, Everything Making else stupid jokes. Yeah. The, yeah. the orange tabby made an appearance in the background of your video for a short time. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. And, I, don't and I will say, I will say this uh, was completely uninterested in us because turned their back to us and was grooming, and it was just like you know, you guys, I'm not paying attention to you. With the yeah, up in the air with the grooming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. jumped next to the computer, and so I was petting him because he was like trying to knock stuff off. So I had right. to pet him, <laughs> or during the video, or else he was gonna. Yeah, the only reason that I have not been having to fend Hobbs, my cat, off is because I'm actually not in my house recording now. I'm at my mother-in-law's place, and the the basement door is closed, so it cannot be infiltrated by her pets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for being with us, Bonnie. It was awesome to see you and to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Holy crap. This year is just flying by, isn't it? Sheesh. As always, thank you for listening. Special shout out to our backers over on Patreon for putting up with all the shenanigans Tracy, totally Tracy, does over on our super secret private Facebook group. I mean, (laughs) she is just constantly posting stuff over there like, you know, articles, uh, movie and TV show trailers, even like daily music videos at this point. I mean, yeah, that's that's totally all 
Tracy. So, <clears throat> thanks for uh, thanks for backing us. If you want to know what the hell I'm talking about, go check out patreon.com slash functional nerds and throw us a couple bucks. Then you will gain access to our super secret private Facebook group. Now, I will say, you and I have to be friends on Facebook in order for me to invite you. It's a Facebook thing. It's weird. So there is a process. But still, uh, it would be really cool if you backed us and then, you know, joined us over there. Anyway, Robert and Todd, they totally promised us they would do this spinning sign thing on their street corners to drum up some listeners. And to date, they haven't actually followed through. So if you could go give us some stars on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you're going to, to find us and listen, that would be awesome. We'll, we'll work on the spinning sign thing with Robert and Todd as maybe sort of a holiday push. I can see them now dressed as elves. And not the cool ones from Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Canoli Joe said he might, might consider some sort of social media campaign around the poodles for, you know, the upcoming Hugo season. Cough. Before I forget, Beyond the Trope hit 400 episodes recently. That's pretty cool. Giles and Michelle were very, very properly excited about this 400 is a huge milestone for a podcast to celebrate why not go check them out at beyondthetrope.com they put out a new episode every tuesday talking with writers artists and creatives from all over the place and that 400th episode was pretty cool so again check them out over at beyondthetrope.com now i'm sure that this is the point where I would normally have some more uh, stuff to kind of say, things to tease our backers with, but I totally forgot to write it, so... Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've, if you've never listened to the podcast, there, there's, there's two different styles here. There's, there's Tracy, who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions. And then, oh, squirrel. Oh, for God's sake. Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? <laughs> okay. That's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, hey, I really love what you do. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you know who I like? I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.